The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 10, and you can also go to Matthew chapter 18. We are finishing our series today called Bridges. We've been talking about the relationships of our life. And I was not planning on preaching this message today, but, but, uh, but God put this on my heart last week. And as he did, uh, I believe, I really believe this today. I believe that some people, their lives are going to be changed today. I believe there's some freedom that's going to take place in some people's lives today that's going uh, to be amazing. Uh, I heard the story one time about Muhammad Ali. He was on an airplane and he was flying on this commercial airplane and the stewardess walked by and she saw that he didn't have his seatbelt on. So she went up to him and she said, Mr. Ali, would you please buckle your seatbelt? He looked at her and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She looked at him and she said, yeah, and Superman doesn't need an airplane either. Buckle your seatbelt. Pretty quick-witted there. But, but here's my point. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter how, how strong you may be, no matter how much you know, money, power, whatever you may be, no one in here is invincible. We're all vulnerable, and we can all be hurt. And one of the things that can happen to us in relationships is we can encounter hurt. We can encounter pain. We can have people that do things that, that, that hurt us, that offend us. We can receive offenses. And so today I want to talk to you about overcoming offenses and walking in unforgiveness. And I'm calling this message the sweet spot. The sweet spot. Turn to the person beside you and say, it's about to get sweet. We're going to talk about the sweet spot. I'll, I'll explain that more in a little bit. Now look at this verse with me. This is Luke 17. This is Jesus talking. He said, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. It's impossible that no, one, that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Uh, the reality that me and you live in today is a reality where people are going to hurt us. Things are going to happen that, that offend us, that bother us. In fact, in life, this is in your notes, in life you're going to get offended. You're going to get offended. People are going to do stuff that bothers you. People are going to hurt you. People are, it's going to happen. If it hasn't happened to you, you're a robot for one, but, but if it hasn't happened to you, trust me, it's going to happen. Now I'm not trying to be, you know, doom and gloom this morning. I'm just being real with you. Jesus said, it's going to happen. You're going to have moments where people offend you. You're going to have moments where you can receive hurt. But the good news is, here's the good news, that God wants to help you in those situations. And I believe this, I believe that the opposition that you face in life can lead to elevation. That's in your notes. Opposition can lead to elevation. I was reading this week that in New Zealand, uh, only 41% of birds can fly in New Zealand. The majority of birds don't fly. And the reason they don't fly is because there's no predators in New Zealand. There's no wolves and snakes and, and uh, bobcats and, and different different animals that would cause these birds to need to take flight, they don't exist. So what's happened is these birds, because they don't have to fly, they stop flying. And because they've stopped flying, now they can't fly. And you'll find that these birds are all over New Zealand and they just kind of walk around. And if you see them, they don't have wings anymore. They just have little nubs where wings used to be. Now, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, it says this, it says that we are to mount up on wings like eagles. So God doesn't want us running around with, with nubs. <laughs> he wants us soaring. And that's how eagles fly. How an eagle fly, I was telling you this this week, when eagles fly, once they get up in the air, what they do is they harness the opposing wind, winds against them. 
And those winds, they're actually able to harness those with their wings so that it can take them to elevations that other birds can't fly to. The opposition leads to elevation in their life. And and I believe this. I believe that the opposition, the offenses, the pain, the hurts that you've experienced in your life, if surrendered to the Lord, that they can lead to elevation that God wants to bring you to places of elevation that that are incredible places of freedom for you. I believe that that opposition can lead to lift. It'll lead to lift in your study life. It'll lead to lift in your prayer life. It'll lead to lift in your worship life. If you will submit it to God and allow God to work through it and in it, opposition can lead to elevation. I know there's people in here that have been hurt. I know that there's some of you in here, man, you face some stuff that I can't even begin to imagine. And I, I really do. I was, as I was praying about this this week, there's a part of me that's just like, gosh, I wish I could, even with my own children, you know, you see stuff happen to them sometimes. You're just like, I wish I could just go back in time and fix that. I wish I could go back in time and fix some of the dumb stuff that I've done, right? And I'm sure some of you wish, I, I wish I could go back in time and, and, and pull you out of that relationship that's caused you such pain or pull you out of that situation that hurt you so bad. I wish I could flux capacitor this whole thing for you, but I can't. But what I can do today is I believe that we can all together go to the Lord, look at what the word has to say and allow that pain, allow that problem to become a platform that God wants to use to change our life and to actually minister to other people. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 10. This is a story I was reading in my study time a couple months ago. It's one of these, and you'll see here in a minute, it's one of these stories that you read it and then you're just like, whoa, what? And, and I've just kept coming back to it and have been studying it and looking at it. And uh, it all made sense last week whenever God was telling me to, to teach on this subject today. But in this story, um, David is sending some of his men to, to this king named Nahash. And Nahash, actually Nahash is dead, okay? So Nahash was a friend of David's and he died. And now David is sending some of his men to kind of pay their condolences and say, you know, like just out of, a, out of the goodness of his heart, kind of offer condolences and just as a, you know, just a way of being nice, but whenever these men go and arrive, they, they see it all the wrong way. Look at this with me, 2 Samuel 10, verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with me on the screen here. The people of Ammon said to Hanan, their lord. Now, Hanan is the son of Nahash, so he's the new king. He's young, he's green, doesn't know what he's doing. They said, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent these comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it. So what they're saying is, hey, these guys coming, they're not coming just to be nice. They're coming, they have ulterior motives. They're they're seeking intel. They want to overthrow us. They want to hurt us. That's what they think they're coming to do. That's not at all why they're coming. Look at what what this king does. Verse four, therefore Hanan took David's servants. This is the part that when I read it, I was like, what is this? Shaved off half their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks, everybody say buttocks, and sent them away. Okay, so first of all, David sent these guys there to pay respects. They have been sent, and what you'll see in this story is King David is a picture of, of our king, God, of Jesus. So he's sending them to do something. And when they get there to do the assignment that the king sent them to do, uh, these guys don't receive it, and they offend them in a great way. What they do to them is very, very shameful. 
Uh, it says that they, they shaved off half their beards. I actually was on Google this week, and I searched, and I came across this picture. This is Will Forte, and he, uh, for whatever reason, decided to shave off half of his facial hair. It's not a good look, is it? But beyond that, you got to understand, in the Hebrew culture of the day, you can take that down because no one's going to be able to hear me from this point forward. In the Hebrew culture of the day, your beard was a symbol of authority and respect and honor. It was a, it was a symbol of your rank. It was a big deal. And so when they, when they have half their, their beard shaved off, this is very shameful for them. And, and it's a picture of their identity. And I'm sure some of you have had people do things to you, hurt you in areas of your life that cut you to the core of your identity, that made you question how you saw yourself, what you thought other people, how, how, you saw, how you thought or assumed other people saw you. What we see here in this first thing that they do is it affects them in their identity, who they are. Second thing they do is they cut their, robe offs, they cut their robes off at their, at their buttocks, their rear end. I don't have a picture of that this morning because that would be a little inappropriate. But actually, if you study it, scholars kind of go back and forth on, actually, they, they believe they actually cut their clothes off totally from the waist down. So these guys are left, they're, they're sent out of the city uncovered, and here's what, here's what we see. Their private parts are exposed. And maybe some of you have had people do things to you, offend you in areas of your life where you felt like they exposed you in private areas of your life. Maybe you confided in a friend at one point, and then they took the confidence you gave to them, and they spoke against you. Or maybe you've had somebody uh, hurt you in a very intimate area of your life, abuse or whatever that may be. So what we see in these, in these guys is as they're leaving, and, and I understand these are David's mighty men. These are the kind of guys that would go and kill hundreds of people. They were powerful, mighty men, but they didn't, they didn't even go with weapons. They just went on a, on a peace treaty, kind of just trying to pay respects, and they get horribly offended. And so now they're, they're, they're heading back home, and David hears about this. It says this in verse 5. When they told David, he sent messengers to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait in Jericho. Everybody say, wait in Jericho. If you have a Bible with you, highlight that, circle that. Wait in Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. Okay, so David, who's a righteous king, he says to them, I, don't, come back, don't come back into town yet. I don't want people to see you like this. I want you to go, and I want you to, to go to Jericho. Go over here, wait in Jericho, and, and let your beards grow back. We're going to cover you up. You wait there. I'm, I'm not going to let you be exposed. I'm not going to let you be shamed anymore with your own people. You go to Jericho. Now, Jericho actually means this. Jericho, the word Jericho means sweet fragrance. So here's what David, who's a picture of God, says to them when they're hurt and they're offended. Listen, I know what they did was wrong. I know what they did was not right. It's, it's, but I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over here. I want you to go to the sweet place, and I want you to stay sweet. And don't, don't worry about them. Don't worry about what they did to you. You don't worry about that. I just want you to go over here, and, and your beard's going to grow back. We're going to get you covered. Your beard's going to grow back. Turn to the person beside you. Say, your beard's growing back. Turn to the woman beside you and tell her, your beard's going to grow back. Your authority's going to come back. We're gonna co- I'm going to cover you. You're going to be fine. You just go to the sweet place, and you stay sweet. I, I love the heart of David here. Because it really is a picture of the heart of God. Remember Jesus in the story of the prodigal son? He talks about a, a son who leaves his, his father, takes his inheritance, squanders it on, on sinful living, 
ends up in this terrible place where he's eating from a pig pen. And, and in that moment, he decides, I, I, I might as well go home. At least if I'm home, I can be one of my father's servants. And so he comes home. And when his father sees him at the edge of his property, he runs to him. He doesn't wait for him to get to him. He runs to him. And when he gets to him, he covers him. He puts shoes on his feet. He, he covers him so that he's not shamed anymore in front of his people. And that's the kind of God we serve, my friends. I know you've been hurt, but there's a God who wants to cover your shame. He wants to cover those areas of your life that are painful. In fact, he loves you so much that he was willing to go and die on a cross and hang on that cross naked and exposed with chunks of his beard ripped out so he could cover you and erase the guilt of sin that you may be dealing with. We serve a good God, amen? Amen. So we need to go to the sweet place and stay Sweet, your beard's going to grow back, your respect's coming back, your authority's coming back, it's coming back. You just need to go to the sweet place and stay calm, stay sweet, let God take care of it. But that's not what we want to do, right? Like somebody offends us, somebody hurts us, and we want to get even. We want some revenge. You said something about me, well, I'm going to say something about you. I'm going to talk about you. You're talking about me, I'm going to talk about you. You know, you expose my butt, well, I'm going to give you a wedgie, right? We're going to get even. But listen... Revenge is not ours to touch. The Bible says this in, uh, in Romans 12, verse 19. It says, do not take revenge. Elbow the person beside you this morning and say, hey, don't, quit trying to get even. Tell them, quit, quit trying to get even. Don't take revenge. Look at what it says. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. God's not saying don't desire justice. He's just saying, don't take it into your own hands. It's his. There's two things in the Bible that God says are mine and don't touch them. First is the tithe, 10%. That's God's. He says, you're to bring that. Don't touch it. That's mine. You know what happens if you touch it? You lose the blessing of it. God says he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on those who tithe that they can't contain. He wants to rebuke the devourer on your behalf. That's the blessing that comes with being a tither. But if you touch it, if you take it, you lose the blessing. Listen, in the same way, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And if you begin to try to seek your own vengeance, you begin to touch it, it loses its power in your life. You take God out of the equation. And what he wants to do, which is bring justice into the situation, he won't do. Because you're touching it, because you're messing with it. So if you want to bring your form of justice, you can try it. But I'm telling you, God's form of justice is much better. Now we struggle with this. Why? Because... We look at God and we say, well, God's love, right? If I give God the justice, he ain't going to do it as good as I will, (laughs) right? We feel that way. But I want you to know God is a God of justice and he is a father. And I don't know about you, but somebody messing with my kids, it gets real, right? Anybody relate to me? Nobody messes with my kids. You're a child of God. He loves you. And he he doesn't take this stuff lightly. And you need to understand something. Revenge is not a sin when God does it. Now you touch it, it's not good. But if God is involved in it, his form of revenge and vengeance is, not, is, is okay. In fact, the Bible says this in Revelation 6. It talks about there are martyrs in heaven right now who are crying out to God and asking for vengeance. They're asking, when is our, our blood going to be avenged? That's happening right now in heaven. Romans, or, or, uh, Revelation 21, just a few chapters later, says that there's no sin, there's no bad stuff in heaven whatsoever. So you know what that tells me? If there are people crying out for vengeance in heaven, and God says that there's no sin in heaven, then vengeance isn't a sin when it's touched by God. But you do it, it's, it's wrong. It's not yours to touch. 
We are supposed to go to the sweet spot. We go to the sweet place and we stay sweet and we surrender that over to the Lord. And what we see in this story is these guys go to this sweet place and, and then David takes some of his mighty men and he goes to this village where this is taking place and he wipes out everybody. Listen, God's a God of justice. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. You can trust him. He's a good God. You can trust him that what he says he'll do and he'll take care of it in the right way. Okay, so that begs the question, what's, what's this sweet spot, right? What's this sweet place we're supposed to go to? How do we go to Jericho? How do we go to this, this place of sweet fragrance? Well, man, this is where it got cool for me this week. I was studying this, and when I found this, I ran around the office a couple times. This is so good. Ephesians 4, verse 30 says this. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, don't do stuff that upsets God. Don't do stuff that's, that's not what he wants you to do. Don't, don't grieve him by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all, everybody say all. All, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. That's revenge and malice. That's your own form of vengeance. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. We need to forgive the same way God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. Goes on to say, therefore be imitators of God as children. In other words, act like Jesus. Act like God's acting. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. That's how he lived his life. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. What is the sweet place? It's a place where we surrender vengeance to the Lord and we walk in forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. That's the sweet place. We go to the sweet place. And when we go there, listen, God can heal us. God can cover us. He can help. Our, our, our beard's going to grow back. We're going to get our identity back. We're going to get our authority back. He's going to cover us. He's going he's to help heal us and take us to the place he's called us to go to. But it comes with us saying, God, I'm going to go to the sweet place. I'm going to surrender. And I'm going to surrender everything else over to you and trust you with it. And I'm going to forgive like Jesus has forgiven me. That's a tall order, my friends. Because understand, Jesus forgives unconditionally. In other words, there's no conditions. Jesus hanging on a cross, bloodied beaten, whipped, spit on, naked, beard ripped out, hanging on a cross, looked down and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did anybody ask for that? No. He took the first step. Jesus took the first step. Before it was even over. I, I understand this. There are people that are going to die and go to hell, even though they have been forgiven because they haven't received it. You have to step out in faith and receive it. The forgiveness is there. That's, the, that's how Jesus forgives. He, the forgiveness is always there. It's offered. We just have to receive it. And in the same way, listen, that's the kind of forgiveness we have to walk in. Unfor, unconditional forgiveness. It's, it's forgiveness by faith is what it is. Just trusting it over into God's hands. Peter came to, to Jesus one day, Matthew chapter 18. And he asked him about this. He said, Jesus, how, how, much, how many times should I forgive? And Peter, man, I love Peter. Peter's like, I, I, Peter I love because I think I can relate to Peter a lot. Like me and Peter, we were always, I, I've done, said, some done, said and done a lot of dumb stuff in my life. And Peter was always kind of that guy. But I think he was like trying to be kind of impressive here. Like, should we forgive like seven times? And Jesus is like, no, it's 70 times seven. 
which if you're good at math, that's 490. So is that the number? Is that like the magic number, 490? Once they get to 491, no, it's over. No. No, see, here's the point. Jesus' call to forgiveness is not about keeping score, but about losing count. It's getting to a place where you just, you're done with it. You, you surrender it over to God. You, keep, you, you quit keeping score and you get rid of any type of limits that you put on unforgiveness. And then Jesus goes into telling this story about this guy, this king actually, who, amen, this king actually, who had a, uh, a servant who owed him a great debt. He owed him uh, 10,000 talents, which in today's economy, what I, what I study is this, this equals about six billion dollars, billion with a B, right? So this is a, a debt that is not, he's not able to pay this debt back. There's no way he can pay this back. And this is a picture of us, right? The king in the story is, is God the Father, and the debtor is me and you, and the debt of sin that we could never, ever pay back. We don't have our, in our ability the ability to pay back the debt that, that, that we, we got into our account based on sin, but this is so crucial to understand. If we're going to walk in forgiveness, you have to understand forgiveness begins by understanding that you yourself have been forgiven. But understanding the level at which Christ has forgiven you and what he's offered to you, this debt that you could never pay on your own. And so this guy goes to his king and he can't pay the debt. And look at what the, the king says in Matthew eighteen twenty seven. The king took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. He shows extravagant generosity by completely canceling the debt and letting this guy go. Now, what I want you to see here is you need to understand the, the generosity that, that Jesus and God has shown us in the forgiveness that he offers to us. God has forgiven you. Let me tell you this. God has forgiven you much more than you'll ever be asked to forgive anybody else. And so that being the case, we need to be people who are forgivers. And so the story goes on from here that this, this guy who's just been forgiven the $6 billion debt leaves and he goes to a guy that owes him a hundred denarii, which is about $10,000. Now, if somebody owed me $10,000, like, you know, that's a good amount of money, but it's not $6 billion, right? But look at how this guy who's just been forgiven of that huge debt, look at how he responds. Verse 28, he grabbed him and began to choke him. He's just been forgiven a $6 billion debt and he's choking out some dude that owes him 10 grand. Like what? Okay. He says, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. That's exactly what he said to the king. Verse 30. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off his debt. Now here's a good question for you. How's he going to pay off the debt from prison? He doesn't, he doesn't really want the debt paid off. He wants this guy to suffer. He's looking for revenge, vengeance. He's seeking something wrong here. Now, the king hears about this. The king that forgave him his debt hears about it. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Now, look at this. Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? That's a good question for us Christians. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus kind of pulls away and speaks to his disciples and he says this, this is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. Now here's what I want you to see this morning. Sometimes we, we hang on to forgiveness. I actually have a little 
buddy here with me. And we kind of treat unforgiveness like this little teddy bear. We have these areas in our life where people have hurt us, people have done something to us, and we make the decision, like we're not necessarily seeking vengeance, but the teddy bear becomes, this, this unforgiveness becomes this little teddy bear that we just kind of keep with us, you know? And it's our little comfort. You know, this happened to me, and because this happened, I, you know, you, you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And we coddle this unforgiveness. And we're not seeking revenge, but we're just, we're just holding on to it. This is, it makes us comfortable. We're comfortable in our little unforgiveness that we have. I want you to see the words of Jesus here. Look at what he says in verse 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. How will he treat you? Back to verse 34. In anger, his master turned him over to jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Here's what I want you to see. When you hold on to that unforgiveness in any way, you're putting yourself in a prison to be tortured. You're opening yourself up for the enemy to torture you and to hurt you and to steal from you. Listen, unforgiveness hurts you. Holding on for, to unforgiveness is not doing anything to that other person who's offended you, who's done something to you. It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. You're drinking poison and hoping that it affects the other person. It don't work that way, right? This unforgiveness stuff, you got to let it go. You got to trust God with it. Here's what Jesus says, verse 33. He says, You have been forgiven of so much. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had on you? After we've been forgiven of such a great debt, shouldn't we forgive? I, I was thinking about this week. As Christians, like the heart of our faith, that our faith is built on, is this idea that, that Jesus has given us this grace, this unmerited favor, this forgiveness that we don't deserve. That's like, that's Christianity 101. If we understand that and receive that, shouldn't we as Christians, Christ followers, be forgivers? Be people who are willing to cancel the debt and let it go? Amen? I know God's stirring in you some stuff this morning. We've got to remember how much we've been forgiven. And if you don't feel forgiven, you're going to have a hard time forgiving other people. You need, to, you need to go to the Lord and recognize the forgiveness that he's offered you and that he's given to you. There's a sweet spot that God wants you to, to go to, a place he wants to take you to where you can grow back your beard, where you can get back your identity, where you can get back those things that have been stolen away from you, where he wants to cover you and he wants to protect you and he wants to help you and he'll take care of everything if you'll go to that sweet spot. So how do we go there? Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're thinking about some situations. You're thinking about some people. You're thinking about some things that have been done to you. How do you walk in unforgiveness like, like Jesus is? I got five things as we close this morning I want to show you. First of all, number one is this. You give the forgive. You give the forgive, okay? Think about the word forgive. For give, right? The idea is that you give, you're giving something. You're giving forgiveness to someone else. You're giving it away. That's what Jesus does for us. We don't deserve it. We can never earn it. And yet he gives his life away, right? He gives us forgiveness. He gave his life so that we could be saved. He gives us this unmerited gift that we don't deserve. And in the same way, he's called us as Christians to forgive in that, at that level. We have to choose to forgive. You say, but Pastor Josh, I don't feel like doing that. Well, I don't really care. Like, we, here's the thing. God's called you to do this. And, and here's the thing you got to understand about your walk with God. We make the choice and the feelings follow. You make the choice in faith 
And then you allow God to come and do a work on you, and the feelings will come after the fact. But if you're waiting for some great feeling to take place, you'll be waiting a long time. And you're going to get beat up by the devil in the meantime. You've got to forgive and give the forgiveness. You've got to give it away. Even to people who've hurt you, who've wronged you, who've done you dirty, you've got to forgive. Now here's number two. You get the forget. Get the forgets. Now, forgiveness is one thing, but this is something different. I'm not telling you that if you've had people that have hurt you, abused you, done you wrong, done you dirty in ways that have affected you and hurt you, that you have to just trust them again. You get the ability to forget what they've done. And you get that from them. They have to prove to you that they've changed. They have to prove to you. They have to do things that show you that they're changing, that they're fixing the problem that you've seen. I'm not, nor is God asking you to step back into abuse or relationships that are unhealthy. That, that's not at all what I'm saying to you. In fact, if you if, go back and listen to next, last week's message, if you have any questions on that one, I'm not telling you that. But what I am telling you is uh, that you can forgive them and then you can receive, you can forget if they allow, they, they do the things that prove that you can forget this. Uh, for, let me say it like this. You get the forget. You get it from them. They have to give it to you. So you give the forgive. You get the forget. And they're the ones that give it to you. And here's number three. You drop the debt. You drop the debt. In other words, you drop the charges. This is where you, you let go of that vengeance stuff. You say, I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it to you, Lord. I'm not going to try. I'm, I'm going to let go of this offense against, against me. You need to get to a place where you feel like that person owes you nothing. They owe you nothing. I know it's not easy, but this is something we have to strive for. We have to seek the Lord to do. By forgiving, you're releasing your rights to get even. You leave the issues in the fairness of God's hand. That's an act of faith, my friends. That's an act that you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to walk out with the Lord and allow him to minister to you through that. Here's number four. Pray for the perp. Pray for the perp. It just got real, right? This is where the rubber really meets the road here. You're praying for the person who hurt you, who offended you. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who've offended you, who've hurt you. You know, this is a great barometer to understand if you've forgiven somebody. If you find yourself today going, man, I could never pray for that person. You probably need to forgive that person. And I know it's not easy. And you say, Josh, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't know. You have no idea. And I don't. You say, I I could never do that. Well, maybe you can't, but you can empower God to help you to do it. And let me just tell you, sometimes it's this. It's gritting your teeth and saying, God, bless them. (laughs) And you do that. And every time you do it, listen, you allow You go to the sweet spot and you allow God to come and work on your heart and he breaks off that crusty, hard parts of your heart and begins to soften it and begins to change you. I have walked this out. I've had people hurt me before and I've had to do this in faith and it was not easy, but over time God healed my heart and and sometimes it takes a little while, but you just walk it out. You trust God with it and understand this too. When you're praying a blessing over somebody else, God's not going to bless somebody who's, who's not living the right way, who's doing wrong stuff. But what you're doing is you're praying that God will bless them. Here's what God will do. It, it, you're praying that God will bring them to a place where they can receive blessing. 
And what God can do is begin to work on them to, to help get them to a place of repentance, the place they need to get to so that God actually can bless them. That's what this is all about. And here's number five. Repeat till it's sweet. We give the forgive, we get the forget, we drop the debt, we pray for the perp, and we repeat till it's sweet. How long do you do this? Till it takes. You just keep doing it. Sometimes it takes a while. It doesn't happen, every, it doesn't happen in a day. Sometimes it takes, it takes months. Depending on what's been done to you, it might take years. But you keep trusting God with it. You keep giving it to God. You keep going to the sweet spot. You surrender everything over to the Lord and you let him work on you and mend you. And we forgive others. Listen, you forgive others not because of them, but because of what God wants to do in you. This opposition you're facing, this pain that you're facing, God wants to elevate you to new places. He wants to use you in a mighty way. I know this is a somber subject, but I'm telling you, God has stuff for you. And as I prayed, I know this, this message is for our church. In fact, this message was for me. Uh, it's funny, I decided to preach this, and then I heard right after I preached it about somebody that did me dirty. <laughs> so this whole week, I had to walk this out myself. But God's a good God. And I'm telling you, there's forgiveness that God has for you. And he's good. And he loves you. And he wants to bring you that sweet place. We serve a sweet Lord. He wants to cover your shame. He wants to heal your heart. He's a good God. I, I was talking to my mom this week, and she reminded me of a story that I'd forgotten about, mainly because I was very little when it happened. But when I was uh, not even one-year-old little guy, I was just starting to pull up and kind of toddle around our house. She had had a situation where a lady that she knew had hurt her done something to her. I don't really know the details of it, but she was, she was having a hard time forgiving this, this person. And she had gone to church and she'd heard a message about forgiveness and she was wrestling with it. And, uh, but she kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was saying to her, Hey, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to let this go. And she kept kind of holding on to it. And finally, um, one morning she got up and she got down on her knees and she, she, she let it go. She said, Lord, she prayed, Lord, forgive me for harboring this unforgiveness and help me to forgive them. Just prayed a simple prayer. Well, later on that, that evening, she was giving my sister, I have, a, I have a sister who's four years older than me, she was four. She was giving her a little bath and she'd gone to the kitchen to, to do some dishes and kind of straighten up the kitchen. And while she was in the kitchen, all of a sudden she just had this alarm inside of her, like something was telling her something's wrong and she felt like the alarm was saying, get to the bathroom. And so she ran to the bathroom, and when she got to the bathroom, she came in and she found my sister in the bathtub, and she found me in the bathtub. And I had toddled into the bathroom and fell into the bathtub. But she said when she came in, I was sitting up. You know how, like, if you ever get a baby's face wet, like their eyes get real big and they're all red around their little faces and stuff? She said, I was completely covered in water. There were bubbles on top of my head, but I was just sitting up in the bathtub, like... In shock. And she can and you know, like a mom, like you come into this and your little guy is in the bathtub. She felt terrible and she picked me up and she's, you know, crying and kind of freaked out. And my little four-year-old sister, four years old, says, Mama, somebody sat him up. Nobody else was there. Somebody sat him up. I don't know who did it. Somebody sat me up. And then that night my mom was in her rocking chair and she was holding me and she was just rocking and kind of worshiping the Lord and crying and just thanking God that I was okay, that I didn't die. And as she's doing this and rocking me, she heard the Lord say this to her. He said, 
If you hadn't forgiven, you may not have heard my voice today. And I would not have been able to help. I don't know what you're holding on to this morning, but it ain't helping. And you don't know what doors and opportunities you may be leaving open for the enemy to steal from you by harboring that stuff. This is a call to forgiveness, New Song Church. 101, this is, this is Christianity 101. And here's what the Lord told me to do all this week. This is what God's been saying. There are people in here that need to forgive. And I'm going to ask you to step out in faith. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. And we're going to leave it here today. And I believe that God is going to leave some stuff here today. You're going to walk out of this place different than how you came today. If you're here today and there's an area of your life, as I've been preaching today, there's an area of your life that you keep thinking of, that you keep reminding yourself of. You, maybe you've gotten some, some forgiveness, but you're not all the way there yet. Maybe you've never forgiven. Maybe you need to step in this. I'm telling you, would you stand up? Come down here right now. Come on. I know there's a lot of you. Come on down. Come on down. Be bold. Step out in faith. Be bold. Step out in faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But we're going to the sweet place. Amen. We're going to the sweet spot. I'm proud of you guys. Jesus is proud of you guys. There's things he has for you. Things he's going to release you. There's more. Come on. You know you're supposed to be up here. Get up here. There's more of you. Come on. There you go. Come on. Keep coming. Don't be shy. Don't, don't hang on to it. Don't keep hanging on to something that God wants you to release. It's not yours to hold on to. Let it go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I, 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 all this week, I knew that there's some of you today, I, what I kept seeing was like your heart is covered with like, it's like, you know, when you get mud on your hands as a little kid and it dries and then you move your hand and it just kind of breaks off. I believe that your heart's going to start beating the right way again. And that junk that you've been holding on to is about to break off and fall off. Jesus is going to do a work on you. If you believe that, would you lift your hands and receive it? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these people this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for these people that are willing to step out in faith and say, God, we choose to forgive. We choose to step out in faith and we are giving the forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us. You would heal our hearts. We thank you, Lord. We see ourselves in the sweet spot today, in that sweet place. Lord, I thank you that change is taking place. I thank you that people who have, who have keep coming back to memories and keep coming back to things that have been done to them, Lord, that those memories will be erased. That the blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse those unrighteous acts from these people's minds and help us to be able to pray for these people who've offended us, who've hurt us, and walk in the forgiveness as Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much that you died on the cross for our sins, that you covered us and you cover us today. Thank you, Lord, that our identity's coming back. You're covering us. Our shame has been erased and has been covered. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We give you all the glory and honor. Now say this with me. Those of you who are up here say, I forgive in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.